Hello and welcome to the first Oxford Sound and Black Group podcast of 2021. Happy New Year to all our supporters. Um, I'm your regular host, Andrew O'Shea. Uh, this edition of the podcast um, slightly different. It's a recording of a session that was held on the 15th of January um, for the group for, uh, with a lady called Nicola Gumry, who's who manages the EAML2 and Pig Hub um, process, which are we use in England and Wales for the movement of um, pigs, etc. Um, it was a well-attended session, uh, lots of good questions and great information. So we're sharing the audio through this podcast as we feel uh, our listeners would benefit from that. Um, before I start the replay, uh, just to let you know, there's a few other events in the pipeline. Uh, February the 5th at 7.30, we have a, a similar talk um, on movements uh, for Scotland for from Scott EID uh, about the movement process up there. Um, later on in February, um, Emily Boyce from AHDB Pork um, is giving a talk to us on what they can offer us as small-scale pig producers. Um, and then in March, um, we'll be joined by Dr Zoe Davis um, from the National Pig Association. Um, she's going to be talking to us too. Um, all these events are held via Zoom meetings, and you can register for these events via the main Facebook group uh, or our website site in the events section. Um, I'd also like to mention we have made some changes to the genetic spread allowance criteria for qualification. Now, originally, uh, the guidance for mileage was at 200 miles or four hours, uh, and we felt that that impeded people moving and the spread of pigs sorry, and the spread of the bloodlines when moving east to west or west to east in, in England and Wales. So we have reduced the criteria um, for qualifying for that from to 150 miles or three hours um, in one direction. Um, hopefully this will help us um, like that. Okay, um, without further ado, um, here's the replay. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a lovely presentation by Nicola Gummery or Nikki. Hello, Harry Thomas. Thank you. Um, and you would have heard, I think, um, the podcast that Nicola kindly gave to us um, last year. I can't remember. Was it November time, Nicola? Oh, I think so. Yeah, about then, yeah. Whenever. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to run through the movement license for the pigs. Nicola's most going to talk to us about the pig hub, the disease charter, which is all that the click of the finger for you lot to use um, using the same password and um, so on as you do when you click into your movement license. So feel free to interact, ask your questions um, and um, over to you, please, Nikki. Hi, everyone. Um Thank you for taking your uh, Friday evening out to join us. I, I just like to say there isn't a presentation because I thought a presentation at half seven on a Friday night was not what anybody wanted. Um, what I want to do really, this this is about you and what, what do you want to know um, or what are you unsure of? So I thought the way to kind of elicit that discussion is I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to do um, a test license. So I'm going to do a farm to slaughter license. There's a couple of things that I want to cover when I do that. So those of you that have been on recently will see that there's some additional questions now in the food chain information section. And that's to do with us leaving the EU. So I'll talk through some of that. Um, and 
as I say, if there's particular questions about about the license, I know controlled and non-controlled housing will probably be something that we want to talk about um, and we'll do that. But then what I want to really do, because you all know how to create a movement license, what I really want to do is show you then go into PickHub and show you how you can log on to PickHub and all the different things that you can do from there and make sure that you're all managing to get the value out of um, PickHub and all the things that it links to and all the information that's on it. So it's going to be a bit of a whistle-stop tour. Um, I spend, as I'm sure Emily and probably Kim will um, verify, most of my day talking to people. So I get a bit sick of the sound of my own voice. So I shall be pleased to have questions. Um, I'm, I'm new to Zoom. <laughs> I'm a Zoom virgin. Uh, even through lockdown, I've managed to avoid Zoom for some reason. So I'm not sure when I share my screen if I can see what's going on, if you're asking questions and things. So it might be that you have to shout up um, on audio if I seem to be ignoring you. All right. Just before I do kick off, is there anything in particular that people are interested in or want to talk about? Excellent. I love an interactive audience. <laughs> right, folks, I'm going to jump straight into it and I'm going to um, share my screen. Nikki, it's Andrew, Andrew Shay. Just one thing when you're going through uh, the movement form, there's often a lot of questions. I know we cover this in the podcast about the controlled, non-controlled housing often causes a lot of problems. And I know my abattoir always asks me to send it as controlled, regardless of how they're kept. Because um, it triggers the trichinella testing. So I, I don't know, maybe if you can cover a bit more of that as best you can when you get yeah, to that point. Uh, I will Richard. talk about that. I think I think one of the things, one of the, I'm guessing all around the world, there's been really strange things that have happened because of Brexit that none of us really thought about. And I think, and, and this is just kind of um, things that are being talked about is that we're going to have to become much stricter around proving that trichinella um, and controlled and non-controlled housing. So I know there's lots of talk of that in um, government at the moment about how we define it, because at the moment, as you'll have heard on my, if ever you've spoken to me before or listened to the podcast, it's such a contentious issue um, because the when you read what's currently there, it, it can be interpreted in so many different ways. And what I always say to you all is it, it's the legal document. You sign it at the end of the day. So you have to be happy with what you put. Um, I, I'm not there. I don't see how you keep your pigs. I'm, you know, I'm not an expert in the field. Um, my skills come through customer service and, and process management. So, you know, what I'm good at is understanding what the system wants from you. Um, and trying to help you interpret what that means if it's not overly clear. So, yeah, it is. We'll talk about it again. And I'm sure maybe you'll come up with some questions as I get towards the end of the license that are very specific. Um, and we can talk about where you can go and find more information about it as well. And what I'll probably do, um, simply because it's Friday night, um, is send Kim an email with a few links to various different places with different information. All right. Fab. Okay, let's get going. 
So I'm hoping you can all see my EAML2 screen. Can I have a thumbs up just off anybody? Brilliant. Thanks, Kim. Right, so hopefully you'll all... Fab, just checking that you're all listening then, paying attention to... That was a bit of a curveball. So anyway, you'll all, you're all used to seeing this system. Now, when I log in, it will be different. Most of you will only see this top set of um, menus. I'm Because I'm an admin user, I get to see everything. So it will look slightly different for you. Um, one of the things that I think is really useful is the help section. And my team have put a lot of effort into um, putting some really useful guides on here. Um, and when we talk about the changes that have been made from following our exit from the EU, I'll, I'll bring you back to some of this, um, this help section where you can click on the various guides. So I'm guessing what most of you do is find yourselves here, creating your movement license. Again, mine will look slightly different. Most of you will perhaps have one or two holdings that, you, that you're responsible for and that you do the movements for. Um, again, because I'm a test, I have lots of things. So it looks slightly different. So if I choose where my pigs are going to come from. Nikki, yeah. um, are you able to zoom in at all? Oh, yeah, of course. Just on the... Thanks. How's that? Is that if better? If you look at the top where it says view options, there's a little drop down box for everybody and it says zoom ratio. You can actually make it bigger yourself as well. I only found this out the other day. Oh, is this a zoom thing? Yeah. So Ooh. at the top, <laughs> it, mine says you are viewing Nikki Gunnery's screen and then view options. And there's a little drop down box there. And if you go to zoom ratio, oh, you, can yeah. make, you can make it bigger. <laughs> There you go. Oh, Fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I'm going to so big it vanished. Thank you. <laughs> but, uh... Well, I know what it's like. We, I do it all the time, sharing screens, and I then stop sharing, and I come back to a spreadsheet later on, and it's zoomed in 300 times. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so you probably start, let's turn that down just a little bit um, here. So I, I've got my farm where my pigs are leaving from. I'm going to go to slaughter and I'm going to pick my abattoir so you can see my abattoir here and then I'm going to select new movement now I'm going to come back to some of this information because some of you may know that you can go into pig hub and you can pre-populate all of this some of you may not so I'm going to show you some of that but also in here is part of the new EU um, questions. So there are two questions that have been added to the producer licenses. And these questions are to do with the export of meat and the export of animal byproducts. Um, so there's kind of two reasons. The first question, from my point of view for you guys is does your abattoir export any of your meat do you get the whole carcass back or does it keep part of it and therefore export some of it and their question their conversations you should have with your 
um, abattoirs and then you can then look at what you need to do. This has been set up, as you can imagine. I think the thing to remember with EAML2, it's one size fits all. So we had to develop a license back in 2012 that, that was fit for purpose for mass pig producers, as well as guys like yourselves, and then even um, you know other species farmers that have the odd pig here and there for their freezer. So it, it had to accommodate everyone. Um, so on this particular part, this is a veterinary, a quarterly veterinary statement that pigs whose meat is going for export will need to have their vet come and visit them once a quarter to look at biosecurity, um, husbandry, etc. Now, these help sections are, re are really useful and they'll give you the definitions. Um, but as I say, the important thing is, is, your, is any of your pig going for export? Because that's what will be important to the abattoir. Okay. But as you can see, all of mine are pre-populated. So I've got all my little ticks. I've not done anything. And that's because that's pulled that data through from Pig Hub where I've populated that data. So we'll have a look at that in a little while. So um, select the herb mark. Now again, I hope not, I hope many of you haven't got a big long list like that. I'm hoping you've got one, maybe two, um, but obviously because I'm test, I get loads of stuff. So you should have your herd mark there. The thing with EAML2 as well is this ticking of the little boxes. I'm, I make no apologies for the fact that we're still in 20, is it 2021? That's just shocked me. Um, in 2021, we're still running a system that was written and developed in 2011. And it is still working. It, it's not the best, I'll admit that, but actually considering its age, it's not doing too badly. Um, so let's say I'm gonna send 10 pigs to slaughter. So you can put in here, so if some of you number some of your pigs, you could, this is where you can put your own individual marks. If you have ear tags with then with your herb mark and then individual numbers, this is where you can put this information in. And then we get to the <laughs> contentious, controlled, non-controlled. So when you're selecting the consignment of pigs, it's this selection that triggers Trichinella yes or Trichinella no on your movement license. So it's here that, that there isn't a question that says, do you want a trichinella test? The trichinella test is dependent on the consignment of pigs. So pigs that are controlled won't have to have a trichinella test. The, the abattoirs have to do a set amount, um, generally over the population of the pigs that they slaughter, but this is directly relating to your batch of pigs. Um, so if we choose control there, you've got a link here to a document that I've attempted to read, have read, attempted to understand. It's a, it's a complicated document, mainly because when this was introduced, th there was never real any resolution on, on definitions. Um, 
And that's what I think is, I think there's an appetite for that at the moment in government with regard to exporting and making sure that our, our, um, our farmers and our producers are seen to be doing all of the right things, you know, that we're high welfare, that we look after our animals, that we follow the rules, et cetera, et cetera. So, so this may well change, but at the moment, what, what it is essentially talking about is controlling the ability for wildlife to get into your um, feed and water so that it could possibly pass on the parasite trichinella. Beyond that, if I'm honest, I'm not a vet and I'm not a um, environmental expert. So I can't go into much more detail than that. But if anybody's got any particularly burning questions or something that's very specific to how they um, house and um, farm their animals, then perhaps get in touch with me after the call and we can get you in touch with the right people then either with an AHDB um, or in the wider um, support group. So looking at um, local authority, animal health and things like that. All right. Nicola, so, could I also um, remind people that the trichinella testing is also free because I think I heard, I think it was last year or the year before, there was a few people that um, said that they were charged by their abattoirs, but that was going back a couple of years. But I just wanted to just to remind the, people. As far as I am concerned, the scheme is free. Um, the problem is, I, and I think this is probably more evident for smaller abattoirs, is that they have to hold the meat. So they have to hold the carcass. And I'm guessing for the abattoir, if it's very small, that that actually could incur other costs for the abattoir. But in theory, the abattoir don't have to pay for the trichinella test. Um, I, as far as I'm aware, a courier comes and picks it up, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's very well run. Um, I think there's a lot of history attached to it. I think there's a lot of, um, there was a lot of misinformation at the beginning. Yeah. And, and I think industry, it, it's just kind of found its own level. And I think, if I'm honest with you, I, I I think that will change eventually. I think we'll have to be able to prove more that we do control our housing and that we are um, doing the best to keep wildlife and that kind of stuff. I just think with with um, swine flu and and that kind of stuff, it's it becomes more and more important, kind of biosecurity and and that side of of your um businesses you know so I, I i think it will change but at the moment as any of you have ever spoken to any of my team they'll have given you that bit of blurb and said at the end of the day it's your document you have to decide what's the right thing for you to put um and 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 sign that document yourselves you know so as i say if there's anything really specific or or you want some more specific advice. Firstly, I would perhaps talk to your vet because your vet will be aware of trichinella and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and if not, come back to me. And, and as I say, I'll try and get help and assistance from the right people. Okay, right. Are the animals born and reared in the UK? I would imagine most of the ones that we're talking about here for you guys are Again, ticking our little boxes. So this is uh, this is another new question. 
So this question is asking, has this consignment of pigs been kept since birth in premises where measures have been in place to contain these animals within specific controlled buildings or enclosures? So this is another question that's talking about controlled housing and controlled enclosures. The difference is this isn't going to trigger, trigger trichinella. This is a question that needs to be answered in order for meat to be exported. So if we export meat into the EU, we need to prove, um, and this is linked back to this veterinary certificate. So the vet certificate links to this question. The vet will come and say, yes, you are um, complying with all the measures and I can sign you off as um, being controlled buildings and enclosures. Um, and this meat will then be accepted into the EU. Can so I again, can I ask yeah. a question on that? Are they? I'm presuming there'll be a cost for the vet for that, or is it more going to be like the TB scheme for cows, where that's a free service? I have no idea. I'm assuming there will be a cost, um, mm. but but I really don't know. As far as quarterly, it's <laughs> quite expensive. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah, absolutely, and yeah. I think. I think the vets have been given some really good um, guidance. So I think, I don't think it's an onerous thing that they need to do. Um, some of the um, larger vet companies were saying, well, some of the farms that they visit regularly, the, there's not really much of a need for that initial visit. And then it's just in their normal vet visits that that becomes part of it. They check that um, part of it. But I don't know, I'm not a vet and I'm guessing it will vary between practices so Nicola sorry um, no, okay. so for us we buy wieners in in spring mm -hmm. and and then we sell we send them off um as soon as they're ready sort of October time yeah but we don't have a vet coming every quarter um obviously we look after our animals and if anything needs a vet then obviously we get the vet involved but We've been fortunate, Touchwood, that we've been doing this now for three years and we've never had the need for the vets to come and see to the pigs. So do we put no in that in that box and therefore what what's the what's what so, does that mean? Well, so what what this means is, and this is back to my original um part where we were first talked about the vet certificates or the vet statements. Um what, what you need to do is speak to your abattoir about whether any of your meat is exported, because that's what this is linked to. If your whole carcass comes back to you and the abattoir don't export any of the offal or whatever it might be, and again, I don't know what the, <laughs> I'm sure there's different practices in different abattoirs, but that's the key to this question for you guys. If your meat is not going for export, then it really doesn't matter what you say here, because the, it's only relevant for the relevant export certificate that the processors will use with the processed meat. Okay, so, so, so as long as as long as long we know that the abattoir aren't sending anything for export, it doesn't really matter whether we put yes or no in either of those boxes. Correct. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> and, and I think that's, and that's why I'm saying it's so important, I think, for, for you to go and talk to your abattoirs, you know, because... The bigger processing plants, the bigger abattoirs, 
have already dealt with all of this, as you can well imagine, because they export a lot of meat. So they've been ahead of the curve in that sense. Um, and they're bigger production sites, so they're more likely to be controlled, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's why I say to you, look at your own situation and, and then apply these rules to your situation. Or once you know you've spoken to your abattoir and you'll think, OK, I'm not sure. Give us a call back and, and let's talk through your individual circumstances. Yeah. Fab. Um, ooh, I, don't, I was going to say I thought I'd answered that question so this is talking about your veterinary certificate although these two things are linked is talking about your premises so if for example you were going to be exporting meat so you have your vet come out you've got your quarterly statement and what you'll start to build up then is this his history so if you were selling wieners onto somebody who wanted to export the meat and you'd got your vet certificate, then you can start to prove this kind of um, that they've been in controlled conditions, um, buildings or enclosures since birth. So you can start to build that up. That's why it's here. I'm going to put yes. Um, so then you've got the abattoir where that should already be pre-populated. And then we look at um, treatments. So we're looking at um, any veterinary treatments or medical products given in the last 28 days. Again, if you do click on, if, if you have had some medicines, etc., you can click on this little lookup. And that brings this table up where you can search for, you can either search via um, medicine name or you can search for withdrawal period. And then you Repopulate all of this and that will come through onto your license. Any abnormal conditions, so this is if you've got a rupture or a tail bite or all sorts of things, um, but this is where you would note that and that's so that the abattoir can look out for it when they're offloading. Do you have a salmonella control plan? Do any of you? I can, it's strange really, because I can only actually see three of you. <laughs> you three clearly don't, so, you know. Um, again, this is a risk assessment tool. It's not compulsory though. Have a look at it. If you get some time, have a click on the link and have a look at what it is. Um, but, but you're all thinking about biosecurity, et cetera. So, you know, um, are you any under any restrictions? One of the common questions around this is perhaps where you've got cattle that are perhaps under TB restrictions is something that we quite often get asked about. Providing if, if you're under TB restrictions and or any other animals on your farm are, it will be on your um, paperwork from Animal Plant and Health. They will, they will explicitly state that your pigs can't move or your sheep can't move or whatever it might be. Um, so unless bird flu, sorry, say that again. Does this include the bird flu restrictions at present, or is it just specific to the pigs that you move the pigs? Yeah, it it's the pigs? just specifically to the pigs. So yeah. what I haven't, um, unfortunately, um, I couldn't set it up in time. But when you first start to do your movement, if you're in um, an avian flu restriction zone, you start to get your maps come up on that front page, and it. 
it won't stop you from doing um, a movement because animal health haven't restricted movements unless it's on a specific farm with actual avian flu. Mm. But what it does, it gives you that you can then see what's going on in your own local area and you can make that own, you can make your own, take your own risk assessment and decide, oh, do I want to move in and out of here or do I want to stay put? Yeah. And, and that comes up there. But no, this is not about avian flu. This is about kind of your um, livestock on your farm. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And have the animals been exposed to any substances likely to cause residues in their meat? The best way somebody described that to me when I first started working for EAML2, and I must stress, I'm not a farmer. I, I, the closest I get to livestock are two stupid cats. Um, and they are really daft. So, you know, then they don't need a lot of looking after. Um, was, I don't really understand what that means. And somebody said, well, you know, if they can get out and there's like a battery in the field and they can lick it, then that wouldn't be very good, would it? <laughs> so I'm guessing, you know, it's like chemicals that you have maybe to clean out your sheds, that kind of stuff, yeah. And then haulier details. So unless you're um, using a, an, an assured haulier, if you are, again, the same with medicines, you can click here and you can start to type. And it will come up with a variety of assured hauliers. If it is yourself, if you click self-hauling, it will pre-populate with all of your details into these boxes. The only additional details we need are the um, vehicle reg. If you don't know that, when you're doing the license, you don't have to fill it in here as long as you give it us when you confirm your movement. So let's set that up for tomorrow. So again, I don't have to fill in all of these boxes. I really only have to fill in the date and it's better to do that by look, pulling the calendar up and doing it that way. You can fill these bits in if you want to. Most people fill them in by hand once they've loaded and they know what the time is and how long it took them to get them in and all of that kind of stuff. And then down to submit. Bless. It's having a tough day today. There we go. So you then get a copy of your haulier summary. And this is what you take with you when you travel. It hasn't changed very much. And, and it, to be fair, it would take a real expert to know where it's changed. Um, but you've here got your quarterly vet statement comes up here. And then you've got um, these pigs have been separated from cloven hooved wild animals since birth. This is the question that we ask about controlled environment since birth. Don't, well, you can ask me why the two questions don't say the same words, but you can ask away, but I didn't invent the, invent the questions. <laughs> I can't tell you, I'm afraid. So that's your license. Any questions on that part of what we've just done?
Oh, Steph, there was that a bottle of beer that you're drinking there. <sighs> I deserve a big glass of wine soon. <laughs> right. So I'm not sure whether many of you use PigHub um, and, and kind of use the, the, it's a bit of a gateway really, PigHub. So in EAML2, from set up a move here in your menu, you can flick through to PigHub. And it's the same username and password. So it'll pre-populate. And then you've got, you will probably only have this pink pig for producers. Some of you, if you're slightly larger and you're part of a co-op co or something like that, and you do that with your businesses, then you might have that corporate option. But if we click on producers, now from here, you can see that this was originally meant as the gateway into everything, because here you can link back to EAML2 and set up a move, confirm a move, cancel a move, etc. But what's interesting here is you can start to look at your holdings and the information that pulls automatically through onto your license and you can pre-populate it all in here. So I'm going to pick one that I can edit. Piglets are us. It's my latest um, acquisition, which I thought was really interesting. And everyone's like, there's about 20 of them on, on EAML too. <laughs> I was like, mm. never mind. So you've got all the stuff here that pre-populates from our main database. So holding number, herb mark. If you put things like your phone number and things like that, that will all come through from here. What you can then do, you can add contacts. So if you, husband and wife, brother and sister, whatever, that share the business and you both want logins, you can add details here. So that they've got permissions to come in and set up licenses, that kind of stuff. Um, you can add additional herd marks. <laughs> I, I don't advocate this overly, <laughs> um, but if you have a breeding boar that comes over, and then you want to send him back to his own on his own herd mark, then you could do it this way. I, I would put in, I would do it differently on the license. I would, part of the farm to farm license, there is a um, section that asks if you are, if the, and I'm gonna get my words wrong, but the owner of the pig is on a different holding number. So you can add that detail in there. My, my, pet hate my team's pet hate is when we log in and we look at an account and there's 500 herd marks on there because it's just not necessary and I think it causes confusion for everybody however you can do it here if you want to <laughs> um you've then got a variety of questions so os map reference um are you a batch finishing system so again this is much more geared at the larger producers so it's an all-in all-out batch you can put in here what type of production system you've got. You haven't got a huge amount of choice, but there's some there's stuff there. Here is this veterinary statement. So you can add this. If you tick yes for your quarterly veterinary statement in PigHub, every license you do will pull it through automatically. So you've got lots of 
bits and pieces <coughs> that you can update in here. I'll update it. There was I don't think I changed anything. What you can then do. I forget where I am. What you can then do, another thing that you can add in is your vet practices. So again, if you add your vet practice in here, it will pull through automatically onto your pig license. If you do the electronic medicine book, it will give your vet practice access only view only to look at your medicine book um, for your quarterly reports. Again, a lot of this is, is aimed at um, Red Tractor and Farm Assured and that kind of stuff. However, I think certainly from my discussions with people like yourselves, I think it becomes more and more important for you guys to, to be able to show all the effort and, and all of the things that you guys do at, at your level um, that make your your pigs great and happy and, and, and really good. So I think this stuff will become more important to you. Um, so here I've got vet practices. So again, yours will look different. I've got several corporate accounts that I'm attached to, but you'll find your farm here and you can go in here and change. And then what it asks you is, do you want to do EAML2? Do you want to do Farm Assured or do you want to do um, the Pig Health Scheme? That's currently on hold at the moment because of COVID, but you could choose. So you can choose where your vet goes and which you might have a different vet. I doubt if you guys would do. Most people don't. But then you can choose. So we've got here a list of every vet known to man. Um, I've said that now there's bound to be a vet that you guys know that isn't on here. Um, you'll be on the phone Monday morning, <laughs> Nikki, <laughs> I found that vet. So you can choose here, the vet practice from the drop down list. If it's not there, give us a shout and we'll have a look into it for you. So this for me, are the things that I think people don't realize they can do that makes their license shorter and quicker and easier to do. So it's definitely worth coming in and having a look at Pig Hub and looking at, you. as I say, you won't have all the options that I've got, but you'll have a fair amount of options and it's just worth playing around in there. If there's any questions that you've got, email the team. So there is a, there is help section. So there's different little guides and then there's a contact form that then goes into my team, which you can fill in. The other thing that you can do from PigHub is go to all these different places and find out all this different information. Um, so you've got a link through to the pork section of AHDB. You've got AHDB news. Do many of you use, and again, I, I can't really see you. I don't know whether there's a way, Kim, that we can get a poll to sit or show of hands or something. I don't know whether you can do that on Zoom, whether any of you use the medicine book. Oh, one second. I think I can probably do something with that. He says. Thank you, Andrew. Kind of being, uh, um, hmm. There should be an icon at the top that says view with like six different little squares. Yeah. And if you Please click the gallery and side by side on whatever, yeah. Um, 
I can't seem to find a hole. Don't worry. Do you know do you know what I'm going to do? Um I've listened to myself I more do. than enough for I five do. minutes. So what just kind of bring it back to the room and, and have a chat about what we've seen and what you think, etc. Does that feel all right, Kim? Yeah, it's fine, fine. Give my voice a rest. There we go. Oh, and there they all are. So, any burning questions? Has there been any differences or anything that's going to be coming about with any new legislation that's coming to the foreground and not yet going not at the moment streamline no i think the big thing at the moment is is exit from the eu and i think that's where all the policy makers kind of focus is getting <coughs> tweaking that making sure that's fit for purpose and that changes slightly as they get slightly as they move on with some of the deals and things like that so, mm -hmm. so that's a bit of a moving beast at the moment and i think because that's a bit of a moving beast that's where where the focus is right now. What about exporting over to France, Netherlands, over to, to, to Europe? What's happening there? Live animals mm -hmm. or... Live well, animals. You, you see, I'm not sure at the moment. Um, the, there's a lot of talk of that at the moment. And, and to be honest with you, Kim, it's not something that my team or my, my kind of yeah. area of expertise, because simply because EAML2 kind of stops at the port and mm. doesn't start until the port coming in. I did hear that there was something that they were talking about. They were going to do some sort of restrictions on live exports for production of meat. However, if it was live production for the export of breeding, there was... Um, that was so, allowed to go ahead, but what so the export are. of meat are all those things that we've just talked through mm -hmm. on the license, those new questions. So it's about a veterinary statement, it's about controlled housing some, from birth and um, being separated from wild cloven hooved. Yeah. I think it's ungulates, but um, however, so that's that kind that's the meat yeah. side of it, and that's why I'm saying it's really important. Go and have a chat with you with your um abattoirs mm -hmm. and, and then that will give you a better picture of perhaps what you need to do or don't need to do okay thank you is um anybody on the red tractor scheme in the group here no i don't think no. there is but there are some that i know that are emily only because they i know when you were just saying about um legislation they've got um a consultation at the moment um on new then sort of um they're asking for opinions on their new standards that will be coming out in november um so that's worth having a look at and feeding back if people are members and having the say if anybody's wondering emily is from ahdb pork um and she will be doing a talk for us sometime next month so that's who emily is everybody hi <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think there's some really interesting stuff coming through from Red Tractor and certainly within AHDB. So the um, I think it's the Business Insights and Skills team, catchy little title. Um, they are currently looking at working 
across the whole of agriculture and setting up kind of like this professional um, development kind of schemes, etc. So Pig Pro is something that's currently available to you guys. Again, does anybody use Pig Pro? No. No. Um, Pig Pro is a kind of a, a professional development scheme where you can keep your training. Now, probably at the moment for you guys, you've got your training records, you know, you go on a course, you've got a certificate, et cetera, and that's actually okay. That's probably good enough. But um, I think as, as, as industry kind of takes, takes you quite rightly, in my view, that takes a small holder along with the um, industry professional development. So we're not talking about Red Tractor, but, but, you know, proving to people that actually the effort that you guys put in and, and all of that that goes into the care of your animals and, and your farms and your produce is really important. So I, I think industry are, are really starting to think about that and, and how will that work? And they're, they're looking to bring things together rather than, oh, you know, if you do it for pigs, then it's this system. If, you, if you've got dairy, you do this system. If you've got a field of wheat, you do it on this system. So mm. I, I think, and that's quite a big, step change I think um it's always been very separate so I think the, the closer we can bring these things together and of course one size doesn't fit all but but to be able to if you do different things you're able to log into one thing click to that find that do that then I think that's beneficial to you because it it helps you save time but also everything's in one place and and we can see what great work you're doing and and the effort that goes into it and and the effort that goes into developing yourselves to be able to do what you do you know it is important in my view anyway it's important to me as somebody that goes out and buys a pack of sausages and a couple yeah. of steaks you know um you i think you forgot to mention also um nicola that we can do the movement license on our mobile phones or on our phones and confirm it um so I wouldn't recommend you do the license on your mobile. Not your license, the confirmation can, of the movement. You can do it, but oh, my eyes are bad no. enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd, I'd need a smart phone the size of my computer. Um, yes, so you can. You can register to um, do your confirmations by text. That's what I mean. So do you want mm. me to show you how that works and where you can do that? Please, because not a lot of people know about that. I said, I'm sure, is that not a song or something, Kim? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> right, so back into EAML2. You're going to go to your profile. And then you're going to go to SMS registration. That is my favourite mobile fine phone icon ever, by the way. <laughs> I've worked in many places and seen many of them, but that's my favourite. You'll then be taken to this page. Now you'll see you've come straight into PigHub, but it hasn't asked you to confirm who you are because you've we've got this single sign on, so it knows it's me. And then I would register a new mobile number. You put the number in twice. You can you can sign up for text alerts. Click the button. You click register, the system will then send your phone number a text message and you reply to that text message with the word confirm, C-O-N, 
F-I-R-M. You are then ready to go. All the bits and pieces that you need are here. So this is the text, this is the number that you text in to actually do your confirmations. And then depending on whether you're sending movements or receiving movements, depends what you text back. Now, once again, if we go back to EAML2 and help. Somebody will see it before me. But there is a... Confirming by text. There um, we go. So there's a little user guide there that's got everything you need to know on it. But that's quite useful because I know what it's like for you guys, you, you know, so much easier to do it while you're there and then, right, okay, I've just got home, I'll do that, I'll send that off. Important thing is you just need to remember to register. But any problems with that, give the team a ring and they'll help you get that sorted. Is there anything else while I'm kind of, while I'm sharing that people particularly want to see or want to know or? What about the e-medicine book, Nicola? So, the again, it's all linked. If you, even if you've never done it before, if you from, so this is, I'm back in PickHub, I'm back on my producer's group, producer's homepage. If I click on e-medicine, it'll go through, it's now picking up its authentication. You'll have to, if you guys have never logged in, you'll get a, um, a statement that you agree to. You will only have one holding or maybe two holdings here for you to choose from. But it pre-populates, so it brings all of your holding details through from PigHub. And then, I need one I can edit. And then you've got a variety of different things. So obviously you need to start entering data before you can start seeing benchmarking and that kind of stuff. I wonder if I've got these test accounts sometimes throw up anomalies <laughs> because we all use them. So somebody have been in to demonstrate one thing um, and then it's like, oh, well, my data's gone. <laughs> but you can get all of your holding reports. But as I say, more importantly, what you need to do is get some data entered first because you need to be so you'll show your holding size. Um, the type of um, holding that you are, the amount of animals that you've got, and then that will allow the system to benchmark you with people of similar size, production system, etc. Right. Now, again, it's relatively simple, but I don't think it's something that you'll want to do tonight from here but it's something that you can go back and you can have a look and you can go and have a play with it and you can maybe put some stuff in and see what you find useful, etc. And then give one of my team a shout or me and we can either go back in and we can just delete stuff for you um, or we can talk you through it and perhaps have a more one-to-one um, -one session that's more appropriate for the sorts of things that you want to do with the system. But there are a variety of ways that you can um, enter the data. So you don't have to do a full medicine book. Um, you can do 
a simple antibiotic data entry, what that does, that logs the amount of medicine used on your whole herd for a quarter. So you don't split it out. Um, it's just it's just a quarterly report. The individual medicine book is where you record it as you would do in a medicine book, but electronically. And then finally, you've got a um, Excel spreadsheet, that a template that you can use and you can upload that. So there's a variety of ways that you can do it. Um, and again, if somebody wants, I, I can send on user guides, you can download them all from here. As you can see, you can get at everything. If you, if you can get into EAML2, you can get at everything. Um, and as I say, go and have a play, um, have a look at it. If you put something in here, oh, just don't hit submit. Or if you do give us a shout and we'll unsubmit for you. Is there anything else that anybody wants to see? And what about the disease charter? So disease charter isn't my area of expertise. Ah, okay. However, I know it's worth. So um, it's really useful. And the more people that are signed up to it, the more useful it becomes. Um, it's not... It, it doesn't expose anybody. Um, it, it's there really to protect and to inform. And if you want to sign up to it, again, this little page hopefully will become one of your favourites, which you go to all these different WYSI places. But you can click in here. You'll read what it's all about. And then you hit click sign up. There's another page. I'm not going to do it because I end up being signed up a million times. But that's it's as simple as that. All the information you need is there um, and you can all the contact details if you want to talk through that with someone particularly will all be on that page as well. Nicola, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt. No? Uh, just going back to the registering the mobile phone. Can you register more than one yeah. mobile phone? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And many you. as you like. <laughs> get the kids doing it on the way back from school <laughs> that would be interesting <laughs> they've got to earn their keep i find <laughs> having said that as you well know i only own two stupid cats so you know <laughs> not the same thing i have got a question for you nicola mm -hmm. this is um is there a limit to the amount of pigs you can move as a private individual in a suitable vehicle and are there any age restrictions? Age restrictions, I don't know. Um, there are hard and fast rules around sizes of trailers, amount of pigs, sizes of pigs, the amount of space, etc. I know many things off the top of my head that isn't one of them, I'm afraid. However, there are lots of links. If you literally Google transporting livestock, you will get through to all the .gov pages. There's some really, I don't, don't always say this, but the .gov pages on that kind of stuff are actually quite good. So I would look there. We touched on it quite heavily, I think, when we did our podcast as well, Kim. I had all the regulations in front of me, so I was able yes. to read them out and, and go through them. So perhaps even go back and have a listen to the podcast but again anything really specific I would 
I would have a look at the regulation, see whether you can work it out, because I, I don't think it's overly complicated. Um, and if not, drop us an email and we'll see if we can get someone from Animal Health to give you a call back and advise. Uh, where we talk about um, our medications and putting down what medications we use, is there a, a legal requirement of where we should store this information or for how long? Or is it it's fine to just use a um, an Excel spreadsheet and, and put the dates and... Again, I'm 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 not sure what the legalities are, are around you retaining that information, but certainly currently the electronic medicine book um, is only compulsory for those that are red tractor assured. So it's part of the red tractor mm -hmm. um, compliance sets. Again, at the moment, they're they're not particularly quite right you know they're not they're not looking to trip anyone up who's had to use some medicine for health and welfare reasons you know it, it is about just making sure that that it's visible um and it's being recorded but at the moment as far as i'm aware this is for red tractor purposes and that's why you have to do it with them but if you're not red tractor assured i'm not 100 percent sure on the legalities around keeping your medicine books and how long you keep them for. I would suggest you speak to your vets about that. Okay, thank you. I missed the first part, sorry, the first few minutes of the session, but can I just go back to the movement license? If you're not moving to an abattoir and you move into another farm, I've had a bit of an issue trying to find um, the people that I'm sending the pig to. Okay, so so you're going to another farm. Excuse me, I'm going to sneeze. I'm going to try and put myself on mute, but I might not catch myself in time because now I'm not going to sneeze. Now I've said it, obviously. <laughs> um, I tend to use these last three to search because they're more obvious because I might write my address Slater Road with a capital S. You might write it with a with a lowercase s and a capital L and it will not pick that up. It's not it's too old to be that clever mm -hmm. at the moment. So I've got my postcode then. That's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> So it's done a search and it can't find anything. Okay. Yeah. I would I would always put the holding number in as well. What if I the would, other person hasn't yet got a herd mark number? Doesn't matter. As long as the pigs are going to them and this is their first set of pigs, it doesn't matter that they haven't got one. Okay. They must have a holding number, but the herd mark, providing it's their first lot of pigs, they then have 28 days from the day the pigs go onto their holding to register with Animal Health and get a herd mark issued. Okay. So if you haven't got that, we've looked for it, you've double checked, you've got your digits right, etc. You can do two of one of two things. You can give my team a call and say, I can't find this person, 
we'll do a check on our admin system. So we'll probably ask you slightly different things and we'll we will be able to search via a wildcard in a in a admin system. So we can then say, oh no, they haven't registered yet. Let us do that for you. If they say to you, oh no, I don't think we have registered, then you are click on register a new unit and then follow getting old it keeps jumping like that because obviously I'm zoomed in to show you what you're doing I put in holding number do you see because it's a destination that you're creating there is a asterisk next to the holding number because you must have one but not next to the herd mark so providing you put a holding number in there and a company name and you click register, it will then, I'm not gonna register myself, it will then show up as a normal, um, as a normal holding that you'd picked from a dropdown. So I that's- want, I, got, I saw that, but I didn't want to use it just in case I was doing yeah. the wrong thing. <laughs> that's okay, loads <laughs> of people don't wanna use it, which is why they ring us. <laughs> loads of people don't use it what I would say use it but when you hand the paperwork over and you're speaking to the people that you have registered that holding for just say to them I couldn't find you so I have registered your holding on EAML too when you call the team to confirm your movement just double check that you haven't got a duplicate account and we can then do that for them right okay but don't be afraid to use the register it button <laughs> <laughs> but equally don't be afraid to call the team and go no I don't want to use that I'm going to ring you <laughs> and that's fine right thank you no worries any, any more questions sorry <laughs> I was going to say any more for any more I just got a quick one um, we've taken over a small holding last week, so I'm very excited. Um, and I'm looking at pigs as as we speak, um, but they're not likely to, uh, you know, I'm not likely to get them until March and we've sorted out events. Um, but I'm wondering how long, if anybody knows how long it will take for the um, holding number to be registered in my name, because presumably if you looked at the number now it wouldn't be in my name it would be in the other holder's name i think they're expecting it takes sort of you know have you have you spoken to rpa kira no i haven't yet i would ring rural payments agency yourself okay um i don't i don't i'm Fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know. I don't have a lot to do with rural payments side of things. I deal far more with animal health. I have far more contacts within that is area. Is your, um, is this your CPH number? Yeah. County parish holding yeah. number. Yeah. yeah. So you can have one put in place in less than seven days? Even if it's a transfer of ownership? Wouldn't they just put a new one in place for you rather than you taking the previous owners on? And that, and that's why, Kira, I think you should ring RPA. I wouldn't rely on somebody that you bought the holding for yeah. to so do that. You see, our previous owners had a CPH number, and we've just recently bought our small holding about three months ago. And you, um, you've got a new CPH. We managed to get one in three days. 
So oh, you can wow. fast track it. Okay. It's just on the um, site. It's It sort of says, you know, you can register to change ownership. But yeah. I was thinking, I wonder if, you know. I, I would. I would ring them, explain your situation, and see if they will issue you yourself your own new CPH number. Yeah, because you because you your mm. your CPH is linked to your SBI, which is your small business identifier, which you're required yeah. to get by registering with the uh, RPA first. So even if they transfer it, you can't own it until you're registered with the RPA. So you need to give them a call first first off. Okay, thank you. And they're pretty good. Just I mean, if you got animals inbound imminently just explain to them that it's urgent and uh well i think um they've never had pigs on this site so uh, i'm just a bit is, it's not specific to pigs it's livestock so yeah know, cows sheep goats pigs oh. and anything that requires a, a a movement license okay thank you i guess the biggest change that will be coming but it but i'm guessing it will be probably 12 to 18 months down the road from here is um, the livestock information service where they're looking at bringing all species together um, for it to be that a little bit like I've just shown you with pig hub you log on and you can get to everything something like that that will because at the moment you ring me and say oh I've got some sheep and I'm, oh, I don't know nothing about sheep mate yeah. Yeah. and if you're a, and if you're a mixed uh, smallholder and you have every different system under the sun and imagine. sheep is rubbish cows are pretty good pigs is great yeah, uh, yeah I can imagine this and, yeah let's um, this is standardization is that you know it as far as I'm concerned EAML was first and then you have BCMS for the cattle which is a completely different system then you have the ludicrous system that is ARAMS, which is absolutely atrocious. Mm. Good name, though. Separate, you know. So, yeah, it'd be good. Like, I think Scotland's Scott EID is all, is all animals under one tracking system, isn't it? I believe. But, um, yeah, it'd be good to see. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, I guess, where I was kind of going at the beginning, that I, that I think... I think our exit from the EU has perhaps started future conversations about how we do all this joined up and, and more add more value for people that are using all these systems you know rather than logging on to do my sheep then logging in something else do something else then logging in I mean you know we're looking at e-grain passports and all sorts of things you know it's not just livestock um, to bring all that together to make um, farmers lives and producers lives more simple surely is the right thing to do. So I, I dream of it. One day the utopia will arrive. So, so do we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, a bit like the end of lockdown, really, I guess. You know, we're all we're, we're <sighs> praying for that. Gosh, indeed. I can't... Uh, part of me can't remember what it was like not to go to work and, and leave my house and do things. And the other part of me can't wait for it all to I can't imagine I'll be shocked I think when I go back out into the real world I'll have to wash my hair and put bottoms on well, I, I've worked for <laughs> uh, 12 years for the same company so this not really made any change to me really you know so. no my husband works from home as a general rule and it, we've invaded his, his office, his office yeah. Yeah. right guys um if the is is there anything else that I haven't answered or 
that you want to talk through? Oh, I think what, we're all done. What I think I'm going to do, Kim, if you guys want to stay on and talk about your pigs and, and all those things, which I would love to do, was it not a Friday night at the end of what has been a long <laughs> week? If you don't mind, I'm going to dip out. Um, if there's bits and pieces, so if you want that, um, the documents around how to confirm a tech via text and how to register, if there's any other bits of um, user guides and stuff like that, if perhaps drop an email to Kim or um, Andrew and they can drop me a, a one email and, and I can then send that out to people. Is that all right? I yeah, can even perfect. give it to you to, to put on your websites or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, email it over. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, thank you, Nicola. <laughs> thank you very much, well, Nicola. It's much appreciated. No problem. Lovely yeah, to see, hear, meet you all. If you need anything, um, Kim, perhaps if you could give out the zero eight double four number at the end of the call, um, give my team a ring. I'm on holiday Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so yeah. you, you won't get me, but. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll all be they'll all be there i'm on holiday um i'm having christmas again because i hated christmas so much i've decided to do it again in january <laughs> just for me and nobody else <laughs> have a lovely weekend guys great lovely. to meet you all thank Take you very care. much thank bye-bye well thank you all for tuning in i hope you found that replay useful um don't forget to look out for the other events and register for them again via the website or the Facebook groups. Um, before I go, uh, we will be releasing a quarterly newsletter at the end of March, uh, encouraging our supporters to sign up. Um, have a wander over to OxfordSandyAndBlackPigGroup.org and click on the subscribe button. Um, you just need to give us your name and email address, nothing more. Um, well, that's it for this podcast. Until next time, happy pig keeping.